Hi, it's Lily Stein from the Lily Stein Show, the creator of the Gut Academy, where we give you the tools you need to start getting the results you want. Especially with fermentation. You know, fermentation is my love. It's a passion. Uh, anyone that follows me, you can see me at my home and my, my online home at lilystein.com. It has loads of fermentation tips and articles. It has a lot of living simply. So that's what I'm all about, a simple life. I think anything, the last year with all this lockdown, and you know, the whole world's been in lockdown. You know, that's really... It's a, it's a pandemic of all times when the whole world has been affected. It's not just parts of the world. And I think the big takeaway is that we've, we've, it's been good in the sense that we've learned to, to simplify things, to slow down, to sit back and relax and really enjoy what's around us, our surroundings. You know, people started, you know, sourdough bread was one of the biggest hits i know my my blog site got all these visits with the sourdough bread yeah and it was just wonderful to think well people were were starting to to think well we'll go back in time and i think that's what we need to do we need to not want for so much just to have the nice simple things and fill our day with kindness and joy so i'm going to talk a little bit today about the act of tidying and it's a series of simple actions you know which which we move objects and move from one place to another it involves putting things away where they belong now that seems so simple that you'd think even my six-year-old could have done it but no most people can't a short time after tidying your space is a disorganized mess the cause is not lack of skills but rather a lack of awareness and the inability to make tidying a regular habit in other words, I'm a Virgo. In other words, the root of the problem lies in the mind. And this really goes into a lot of things I know when I'm with people when I'm I'm sharing them fermented food and they'll come and but you know, I can't I can't change their mindset. That's what people have to do. And success doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're tidying up, you're starting a new hobby, you're starting a business, success is 90% dependent on our mindset. So to acquire that right mindset, we need the right technique. It's just like the right technique that I share in fermenting your food, that step-by-step process. There is a fundamental misconception, though, that the ability to tidy comes from experience. Most of us tidy up a little bit at a time. You know, if you've read any of Marie Kondo's books, you know, Marie Kondo, the, the lovely Japanese books on tidying up, and, you know, we should tidy up in, all in one shot because this brings visible results. A change so profound that it touches your emotions and it will irresistibly affect your way of thinking and your lifestyle habits. It's habits, that's what it's all about. When people revert to clutter, no matter how much they tidy, it's not their room or their belongings, but their way of thinking that is at fault. Even if... If you're initially inspired and you think they, they, that you can't stay motivated and the efforts just peter out the root cause lies in the fact that they can't see the results or feel the effects this is precisely why success depends on experiencing tangible results immediately we live in the speed and greed world this is what i'm saying we're learning this is one of the really beauties is we're learning to slow down 
Because if you use the right method and concentrate your efforts on eliminating clutter thoroughly and completely within a short span of time, you'll see instant results. And that empowers you to keep your space in order ever after. It's quite amazing, isn't it? That that's the, the mind, it just controls so much of our lives. You know, even if not just that tidying up, that tidying up goes right through. I just see so many people, they come and, you know, they want to ferment their foods, but they just don't, they just can't keep themselves motivated. And it's like that with anything that we start. We have to get that mindset right. Once we got that mindset right, and it'll take a while. You know, it takes, it takes quite, a, probably, you know, about 90 days to get that all into us. So we, we can't just sort of sort of think, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. I'm going to clean up. I'm going to um, clean my mess up and I'm just going to get started. You've got to change your habits, your routines, the daily way that we go about. And just, I always say, you know, joy is my favourite emotion and state of being. And you, when you find that joy, it can be a choice in the hardest of times. And it exists for all of us. I believe there's no such thing as failure. Because failure stands for first attempt in learning. So we just learn and we grow from our experiences. It's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, you can do the... I say you do the right thing because after the tears comes the cheers. I just so believe in the vast capacity of our hearts. Because love is stronger than fear. We are more capable and powerful than we could ever imagine. And we can do things. We just changing out that mindset, it's not difficult. It's just a matter of setting up that routine and you know and keeping things nice and tidy. You know, people say to me, Lenny, I see you dress in all these beautiful clothing. You know, you must spend a fortune. I said, No, I go op shopping. I love it. But what I do is I take three items back and then I buy three items. It's not, I suppose it's sort of frugal living, but what comes to mind when you hear the word frugal? You know, to some people it sounds self-limiting. To some it sounds scary or very unappealing. And this is another thing I think that we've learnt with our lockdowns, that it's, it's like a necessity now in our world. But according to, I think, the dictionary, I'll tell you the world, word frugal means careful about spending money or using things when you do not need to. See, I'm looking, looking it up. Using money or supplies in a very careful way. So to me, it means just to be simple and plain. And while some may have negative reactions to the mere word, you know, financial freedom and wise money spending are at the core of living like a minimalised life. So being frugal plays part in that simple life. Because the reality is, money doesn't buy happiness or contentment. Money doesn't equal fulfilment or success. Money doesn't solve your emotional problems. And money doesn't give you a purpose. In order for us to spend less and own less, we need to shift that mindset to being content with less. Living a meaningful life has nothing to do with how much money or how many possessions that we own. We just have to find the simple joy in what you have and be grateful for all that you have as well. I mean, look at this, look at all this um, hoarding that came. People were so, uh, it just, it was beyond belief that every time we said, oh, we're going into lockdown, you know, oh, the people, they would pull, I hope you're not one that piled all that toilet paper and pasta. 
You know, I just said, oh, go paperless, no hoarding. We, we're not about, you know, the, this pandemic of pasta and the poo roll hoarding. It was just, but I, I think the big place where you, if you want to start with um, getting a clean space, is start with your wardrobe. As I just said, I'm a op shop lover, but I, I buy only quality and I only buy like things that are really good, good, good fabrics and I only keep a minimal. So I declutter. If anything I haven't worn an item in six months or longer, it's time to say goodbye to it. And I revisit the item every three to six months and I discard what isn't adding value to my wardrobe. So if you think it's ugly, you say, adios. And for your information, if you haven't worn it lately, you think it's ugly. So you don't hold on the gifts due to guilt. That's a big thing. In that uh, that Marie Kondo, she's got that great book. If you haven't read it, it's worth a read. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she gives the advice that it, that it truly did change my life. She says that the purpose of the gift was to bring the receiver of it, a.k.a. you, joy. Sometimes this joy is short-lived and only lasts a few hours after opening the present. The person who gifted you the item did not give it to you to burden you with guilt, but to lift you up and make you happy. The gift has fulfilled its purpose of bringing you happiness as soon as you receive it. You can happily let it go. If you can't wear it because it doesn't fit, toss it. The only exception is if you've had a new baby or something like that less than a year ago. So what about all these one-of-a-kind sentimental items like your wedding dress? Mm. Don't use your closet as a scrapbook. It's 100% okay to be sentimental, but that does not mean you have to hoard clothes to preserve the memories you have attached to them. The clothes may trigger like specific memories for you, but the home of those memories is in your heart. The clothes by themselves do nothing except take up your precious space. There is a saying that a messy room equals a messy mind. So when a room becomes cluttered, the cause is more than just physical. Vi visible mess helps distract us from the true source of the disorder. So the act of cluttering is really an instinctive reflex that draws our attention away from the heart of the issue. So here's the bottom line, Mama. Whatever the piece may be, whether it's a wedding dress, the end of school or university t-shirt, your lucky jeans that you can no longer wear, if it brings you genuine joy to own it and you have the room to accommodate it, then keep it. It's as simple as that. But alternatively, you could take a picture of the sentimental items and store the photos digitally on the cloud or on a jump stick. You may discover that you aren't as attached to the items as you thought. Remember, if it doesn't bring me joy, I get rid of it. And that really comes into a lot of things, more than just clothing, everything in your life. So if, but what people will say, but it costs me a ton of money. See, we're coming back to that frugality. Because we all have items in our bedroom closets that we've invested quite a bit of money on with the belief that we are purchasing a quality item that will last us for years to come. You already know this, but I'm going to get you to say it inside your own head. Sorry, but the money has already been spent. You can't get it back. You just can't. Occasionally, a really nice item can be resold in one manner or another, and you may be able to recoup a portion of what you paid. But the longer you hold on to the item, the chances of recouping any money goes out the window. It won't be in style, or someone may create a knockoff version, rendering your item less valuable. 
like your wedding dresses. Now I'm going to say something you probably don't already know. When you leave an expensive item to sit in your closet unused by you, it is actually costing you money. What? Anything that costs you peace is too expensive. It is costing you money. Studies like this one have proven there's a true link between clutter and depression and the effects are worse on women living in the home. Think of the many ways you pacify yourself when you're feeling the effects of depression. There was a time when I would eat my feelings. I know many women who use shopping as retail therapy, not to mention if your depression or anxiety becomes overwhelming. You might require medication and doctor visits for treatment to regain your health. Food, shopping and medication all cost a lot of money. And these are just a few common examples. Rarely are they. These are things that we actually want to be spending our hard-earned money on. So let that designer shirt go. And with it, allow your reservations to leave too. You're decluttering for your health and your happiness. Any unused item which is not bringing you earth-shaking joy is standing between you and the ideal life you imagine for yourself. It doesn't matter if it costs you $200 or two cents. But if I get rid of things, I won't have anything to wear, I hear you say. So first of all, stop putting yourself last, Mama. Secondly, you need a lot less clothing than what you may think you need. Yes, the 80-20. Yeah, 80% of the time you wear 20% of what hangs in there. It is better to have 10 pieces in your closet that make you look and feel amazing every time you wear them instead of 50 pieces that drag down your mood every time you get dressed. Don't you agree? If your body has been riding the mama roller coaster, gaining and losing weight, you know, over like five years, it's it's past time to invest in a few new pieces that will make you feel like the beautiful lady that you are. When you come across something that you cannot part with, think carefully about its true purpose in your life. You'll be surprised at how many of the things you possess have already fulfilled their role. They've done their job. Every object has a different role to play. Not all clothing have come to you to be worn threadbare. It's the same with people too. Not every person you meet in life will become a close friend or a lover. Some you will find hard to get along with or impossible to like. They say everybody comes into our reason, my, um, my grandma used to say, everybody comes into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. But these people too, they all teach us that precious lesson who you do like, so that you'll appreciate those very special people even more. So I think that's a bit me, or I could keep going on. What else could we talk about? The successful relationship that we've got now. We started talking about my grandma with her coming in for you, the reason, the season, or the lifetime. So don't be miserable by neglecting the things that are so small. Being together should make you feel positive and good all day long, every single day. Personally, I do not like the idea of two people falling in love because what falls often breaks. It should be a commitment. However, fall in love often, particularly with your ideas and your projects and your music and your art, your literature, your food, fermentation, and far-off places, even if you can't go to them. I mean, you can, you can get on and you can watch... You can watch a show of, of you know, some places that you've always wanted to travel to. 
Just fall hard and forever in love with nothing but yourself. And that's really because you know, if we want a committed romantic relationship, one step, single step that can change your life is I can remember I read something where relationships are not about making the heart melt, but just being like weirdos together. And doing the simplest positive things like bringing your partner a glass of water when you get one for yourself. Dancing in the kitchen together in your tracky backs. You know, the feeling of excitement by the prospect, prospect of growing old together. Isn't that beautiful? See, I lost my hubby and, you know, it's just beautiful to, re, to think of all these things. You can open and tell each other anything. You know, a partner with no obligation to complete, to complete oneself where the love for each other outweighs the need for each other. The communication is important, but comprehending is the key. Instead of focusing on big romantic gestures and extravagant events, it's really about that simple living. See, I'm coming back to it. This is what I'm covering today, living simply. It's about simply giving your partner consistent small acts of love and attention. Like a tropical beach getaway or a fancy expensive present, it won't save in a relationship if it's on the rocks. It's about like small amounts of our lives, small little moments really in our lives that take up the biggest part of our hearts. Those kinds of positive everyday moments are what makes love last. How did I get onto relationships? But anyway, I'm waffling on here because happy, healthy relationships, it's just it's the important factor is attention. I'm going, I'm sort of trying to put this all together with our mindset and living simply. So small moments, so simple moments of positive attention. You know, if you can be intentional about giving your attention to your partner, about turning toward them, about appreciating, admiring, and being fond of them, your relationship can be wonderful, can last for eternity. This is a part of that motto, small things often leading to big changes over time. So when you think about it, what can we do? I don't know, we could reevaluate the reasons you are together, communicate and comprehend, do something really special together and not one that costs money because this is all about simple living. Cut out any external influences and forgive each other. You might want to come clean about one thing. Make sure you do set some boundaries with each other. And most importantly is to know oneself. And that's not easy. A committed couple can help one another to be the best version of oneself. I can remember that very, very, very freaking powerful statement that was done by uh, Benjamin Franklin. You know, there are three things extremely hard. Steel, a diamond, and to know oneself. It's to be beautiful means to be yourself. You do not need to be accepted by anyone. Not everyone's going to like you. Just accept yourself. Do beware of any dream takers because many peeps are, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll steal your dreams. Don't allow anyone to steal your dreams. They're kinder, you know, those kinder people, they're like, you kind of want to get into shape, you kind of want to have more money, you kind of not be lonely. The simple maths, if you kind of want something, then you will kind of get the results you want. And struggle and criticisms, you know, they're prerequisites for, for greatness. Whether it is be life or a committed relationship, as we've just been speaking of, you know, critics told Beyonce that she could not sing. And she went through depression, but she just kept on going. 
And the television executives, they fired Oprah. She said she was unfit for TV, but look, look what she's done. It is the law of the universe and none escapes it because pain is life. But you can choose what type. Either the pain on the road to a successful partnership of love and life, commitment or the pain of being haunted with regret. We have been given a gift and we call it life. Life is a miracle, so don't blow it. You're not defined by your past. Instead, you are born anew in each moment. Sometimes you have got to leap and grow your wings on the way down. There's not so there's no 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 overtime in life. You can't go back and make a brand new beginning. But we can start and we can make a brand new ending. So don't live in regret. Live in gratitude. Remember Anne Frank's saying, dead people receive more flowers than the living ones because regret is stronger than gratitude. So that's what it's all about, being grateful, living simply and truly cherishing the things that are important to you. So you must first discard those that have outlived their purpose. Get rid of what no longer need is, it's neither wasteful and it's not sh- nor shameful. Can you truthfully say that you have treasure something buried so deeply in a closet or drawer that you've got forgotten its existence? The fact that you possess a surplus of things that you can't bring yourself to discard doesn't mean you are taking good care of them. In fact, it is quite the opposite. By powering down to the volume that you can properly handle, you revitalize your relationship with your belongings. Just because you dispose of something does not mean you give up past experiences or your identity. Through the process of selecting only those things that inspire that joy, that joy, you know, that Murray Kondo said, if it doesn't bring you joy, discard it. You can identify precisely what you love and what you need. In a world where we often focus on how to get more than we already have, sometimes the best approach is just to remove something we already have. Letting go. It's it's more important than adding. So first, put your hands on everything you own. Ask yourself if it sparks joy. And if it doesn't, thank it for its service and get rid of it. Second, only once only your most joy-giving belongings remain. Put every item in a place where it's visible, accessible, and easy to grab, and then put back on. Only then will you have reached the nirvana of housekeeping and never have to clean again. So how do you put this into lessons? So tackle your categories, not your rooms. I hear so many people, they, they say, to, say, oh, I'm going to start with my bedroom. I'm just going to spend Monday cleaning out my bedroom. And I, I'd always ta- tackle like clutter by room, taking on, say, the bedroom or then the office. Uh, but yeah, the first rule is to tidy by category. Deal with every single one of your books at once, for example. Books. Otherwise, they'll continue to creep from room to room and you'll never reign in the clutter. In Mari Kondo's book, she advises beginning with your clothing. That's what we've sort of been speaking about because it's the least emotionally loaded of one's things. Then books come next. Then old photographs. They're much later. So as soon as you find a free afternoon, that's exactly what you should do. So the lesson number two is to respect your belongings. With your eyes now wide open, you'll realise that your closets, they're sort of going to hit rock bottom. Everything has to succumb to a mixed up messiness. So she, she would say that 
consider your clothing's feelings. You know, I love this. Are they happy being squashed in a corner shelf or crowded on the hangers, all squashed in there? Or are your hard-working socks really thrilled to be all balled up? It sounded out there when I read this that suddenly my clothes looked totally miserable, sad. Well, I lost a lot of my clothes and we had the flood come through, so I put this all into place and it's really working. It's sort of, it's really cleared that mindset. So, but if you get nostalgic over like your old letters and you're distracted by like, um, you know, something that, oh, that I can't get rid of that and I might give someone, you, you, you got to get somewhere fast. So lesson number three is that nostalgia is not your friend. As you start to empty your closets and your open boxes filled with letters and old photographs, serious mistake. Kondo knows what she's talking about when she insists you put blinders on and focus only on the category of stuff at hand. Read one old letter and suddenly you're down a rabbit hole, rabbit hole of nostalgia. To be honest, I was probably procrastinating. In theory, I was sold on the idea of living exclusively for clothing that gives me joy. But I still had hang-ups. What will I be left with? Will I have anything to wear to work? Will I have to sacrifice beloved things all for the sake of decluttering? And the book collection. Oh boy, my book collection. That's why it was good when the flood really did come through because it sort of wiped a lot of it out. But Many minimalists recommend that you go all digital with your reading material. I can't come to grasp with that one, but I do support the use of Kindle, and I, I personally, I'm an e-book author, so I've got like way over 30 of them in my e-book um, bundle, but it doesn't help people to feel that connection between mind and hand, and I'm one of those because I'm an old school. The good news, though, is some really practical and creative ways to use and sort through your books Use the books you've read as decor, if you like. You can make some little bookshelves. They can often be the first things that come to mind when you consider where to place your books in your home. And one way is to incorporate your books just like part of your, your furnishings. You know, like, you know, for an example, you can stack them on, on a foyer table with a pretty plant placed on top. Just a couple of nice book, hardcover books. And, or underneath a table lamp to help increase the lamp height stacked on end tables or sofa tables, any place else that could use a pop of colour. And you can use your books to add texture and colour or theme into a room of the house. But you can't keep too many. Sell the books you've already read. Now, that's a hard one, I know, but especially if you're like me and you have this theory if you've got a book and a, a vegetable garden, you've got everything in life. But while some of us cannot fathom the thought of selling our books, I would encourage you to locate the ones you no longer read and either sell them in a garage sale online or find a place that will purchase them from you. When our son reached, oh, it was about fifth grade, Terry, yeah, he would have been in grade five, we sorted through all his books and, oh, my gosh, he had a lot. We've, we found the ones well below his reading level and we sold them to, there was a local store that was called a half-price bookstore because these were all in really good condition. And we traded some with some of his friends. So he had some friends that had older brothers. So we traded some for the younger brothers and traded some for that, for that were owned by the older brother. We also started a street library when he was younger and we had the books and we'd put them out the front and let people. And he got a lot of joy out of that. The joy of giving 
he really, it re he was like a little shopkeeper. When people would pull up in their car, he'd run out. He'd tell them all the stories that this, the, each book was about. And he even had all his dad's books there. It was just, it was great, the little street library. Good community. So, but if you really cannot, you know, if you get perm, you can't sort of do that permanent sell because that's getting rid of them all together. Give your treasured books and consider trading them like with a friend. And this gives you the opportunity to read a new book and you do it for free, that frugality. I love it. And you can also share your favourite reads with, you know, neighbours and people in hospitals. There's plenty of places that you can take your books. So organise your books according to the room of the house. Maybe like your old university books. I had some really old ones. They can be stored within a home office. Some of them you really do like to keep. Children's books, they should remain limited to their bedroom or their playrooms. Cooking books remain in the kitchen and your handyman books can make their way into the garage. Sort between your books you've read and those you haven't read. In, say, like a family room, just have two lovely baskets and fill those just with books. Books of those baskets, that's the only place for them. And one, one for those you've read and are ready to be loaned or given to others looking for a new read. In the other basket, books that have been either given to one or ones recommended that not yet had the chance, you haven't had the chance to read. This allows you to keep track of your books that have been read and the ones that are next in the queue. So I hope that sort of has given you a little bit of help in um, keeping decluttering and getting that mind ready. Uh, you know, today's world, it's not surprising. The rates of depression are skyrocketing. The, the reality, reality is our normal day for many peeps, it just contains a terrifying amount of pressure. You know, we live in a risk of mass judgment from social media. And no mistake goes unnoticed. So if we can just simplify our lives, because our modern lifestyles, they can sabotage our ability to experience any form of happiness. So we can rewire our brains and we can reawaken our sense of beauty and joy. And I just wish you all well. Just go there, go out. The key to that rich, more meaningful life. May you be at peace, happy and ready to take on the world. Relax, breathe, meditate and visualize. Never forget time passes so quickly and you do not even notice until it begins to show it's what i can tell you so just remember old clint eastwood's beautiful saying tomorrow is promised to no one that quote it acknowledges hope reigns eternal for tomorrow but live for today because guarantees i can tell you are only for kettles and toasters so go out there use all your good china and only keep what you need of that good china. You know, find new homes for it. Keep your house nice and simple. If you can take tours at the moment, if you're back on tours, you can back, you know, take the tour. Travel if you can. Eat the cake and take a year out. Journal it. Work out what you want to do. Just get scribbling. We don't do. We don't just don't take enough time for ourselves. So just live simply. Really think about what you want. Turn off your TV, sign out of Facebook and think about what it is your dream to do. Just wish it, dream it and do it. I'll talk to you soon.